Hey everybody, welcome back. Episode 8, the Steve Young episode of Stick to Football. Awesome show today. We are going to talk to Jason Kander, who was just the Secretary of State of my state, Missouri. And I'll warn you people, we named this podcast Stick to Football because honestly we got tired of everybody telling us to stick to football anytime we talked about the 2016 election, uh, if we like IPAs or not, which movies we liked, if I talked baseball or Predators, or if you talked Mets or Rangers or whatever hockey team it is that you like up there. So this week, we're going a little rogue, and we're bringing on a guest who will be talking a little politics. And the way that I would encourage all of our listeners, if you are a Republican, you might hear some things that don't go with your natural opinion of things. But have an open mind. And if you're a Democrat, you're probably going to hear some things that you're going to like. But what we're going to do is open the floor to any any Republican politician listening to this right now. Hey, if Paul Ryan's listening while he's doing his P90X, we'd love to have you on the podcast sometime. We're going to open the door to everybody. We want to have good conversations. That's the goal of this podcast. We're going to talk sports with Jason. We're going to talk barbecue with Jason. But yes, we are going to talk a little politics, Connor. Nothing wrong that's with okay. That. And if people, listen, it's twenty minutes. It's twenty minutes of an hour show. If you guys don't like it, you, you got that fast forward button. But hopefully, you come into it with an open mind because I think Jason's just a great guy, just someone who's really fun to talk to. Uh, interesting background because he served in the military, went to law school. So uh, a great show with him. And then we've also got uh, week two returning. Marshall's here. We're going to break down the twenty eighteen quarterback class with a little preview. And it's going to get heated because none of us agree on who the top guy is. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, we have an absolutely packed show today. Uh, Jason's going to be awesome. I mean, the best part is even if you don't agree with his different stances, it's good to hear them out and what they are. So uh, we have so many good questions for him. And then obviously we're going to kick things off with a 2018 quarterback preview. And everything, you know, every year at this during this exact time, we say, well, this class is going to be way better than last year's. And it's, it's a classic, you know, habit that we have, but I actually really do truly believe from a potential standpoint, raw skill standpoint, this class should be better than last year's. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into it and us three all have a different top quarterback, which is we're going to get into. And that's super interesting. There's just so much that has to play out, but you really could have three quarterbacks go in the top three picks very easily next draft. Yeah. And like you said, it's early. And I think we all fall into the trap of next year, next year, next year. The difference is I can remember, you know, last year at this time, looking at the quarterback class and saying, ah, these guys need a lot of work, whether it was, you know, Brad Kaya, who was, you know, thought of as maybe a potential first rounder, or you know, we didn't even know Mitch, we knew who Mitch Trubisky was, but he wasn't on the radar yet because he hasn't started a game yet. And Pat Mahomes was thought of as a, I remember in December, a scout telling me that a late round grade on him. So it's easier to look at this year and say, whether it's Josh Allen, who is the right answer as the top quarterback in the draft, by the way, or Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. There are some really intriguing options out there. And that's not even to you know, consider guys like Luke Falk or Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson or Jake Browning, or you know, there are a lot of them out there. There's so a lot Baker of names. Mayfield a lot uh, of is going to be an interesting guy to talk about. There are a lot of names. Um, I, I guess with, let's just jump into it. Um, it's just going to be kind of a free flowing conversation. And we want to hear from you guys. On the on our Twitter account at Stick to Football, who do you think is the best quarterback in next year's class? Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to pull a seniority here. I think it's Josh Allen uh, coming out of Wyoming, and I know you're both going to throw the Nebraska game in my face where he was awful. But here's my supporting argument: If Pat Mahomes can go ten, Josh Allen could go one because the arm strength, the size, the athleticism. It's all there, and he needs work, but the NFL right now is all about draft and develop, which is why someone like Deshaun Watson is the third quarterback drafted instead of the first. Connor, you want to attack him first? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to let you kill him. But listen, I totally get it because I remember Matt, you know, talked to a couple of sources last year that were like, listen, if he declares right now, you know, as a, I believe a sophomore it was last year, he could still go in the top five purely off of potential. But it does scare me when you look at it and you go Nebraska, okay, 50% completion percentage, one touchdown, five picks. Okay, it's one game. Everyone has a bad game. But then you start to circle games that, you know, truly matter. At BYU, San Diego State, the completion percentage is what scares me here. And on top of that, you know, that's just a number in a box score, which is fine. But then you watch him play and it's like, man, you can't make cross field throws like he constantly tries because he knows he has the arm to do it. 
but you just can't do it. And at some point you have to see that. And he's young. So it's okay. You hope that these things, the turnovers have to go down this year. He had 28 touchdowns, 15 picks last year. Some really, really bad picks. That number's got to get down to maybe eight to 10 picks. I don't care if the touchdowns go up. That's that's not a big deal. But the completion percentage has to go up too. Sitting at 56%, you know, in his first full year starting last year, that number has to go up if he wants to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And it's got to go up by a big, big margin. Yeah, like Matt said, if Mahomes can go 10, then Josh Allen can be a Hall of Famer because he is head and shoulders above Mahomes and where Mahomes was last year. I like Allen quite a bit, actually. I just don't like him more than Darnold or Rosen. But I think definitely these guys could go one, two, or three. And I I think to your guys' point, um, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, off the podcast. Allen has the most things to work on, without a doubt. He is not as ready as Darnold. He's not as ready as Rosen. He completed 55% of his passes last year. Like you said, 15 picks, uh, five of which came against Nebraska. So those are problems. Um, I look at the, I guess, the positive of that. The Nebraska game was his second start. You know, he's still figuring things out. The first one was against Northern Illinois. So he's still working on some things. And he he got hit a ton in that game, if I remember right, too. So I see the positives of 6'5". I talked to him today. He's up to 240. He's a good athlete. And he is a little bit of a gunslinger. So he's never going to... He's never going to have 30 and five touchdown interception ratio, but I I think the upside is definitely there. And for the first time, I think ever in my evaluating career, I'm actually going with the upside guy over the more proven, you know, Josh Rosen's mechanics are beautiful. Sam Darnold is as clutch as they come. Yeah. It's very unlikely. It is. And I, so we'll see if I stick with this, we are going to be at the Iowa game, uh, week one scouting Josh Allen. I'm very excited to see him in person and a lot's going to change or could change. We'll say that once the season starts, but Connor, I know you completely, uh, not completely disagree, but you have a different top quarterback. And so go ahead and lay out yeah, the case for your guy. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, listen, Josh Rosen is the guy to me. And that's because probably the process of how I do it over the summertime is that I probably watch about 50 guys like in, in depth, not just, I'm not going to go out there and act like I know 200 and 300 guys by the time before the season starts. And so I'm looking for talent. I'm not going to text people too much and be like, hey, what do you know about him off the field? You know, you're going to get stuff either way because guys will throw their opinions around. But I'm not going to worry about Rosen's off field right now. From a pure talent perspective, it's mechanics. His, I think his accuracy is way better on film than what the box score indicates. And I just think he's a guy that when you look at his intermediate passing ability, he can rip apart a defense. It's just natural to him. There's natural placement. He, he can find, he could throw into the tight windows. He can drop it in the bucket. He can lead a team down the field. And listen, his offensive line got him literally knocked out last year where the shoulder was beat up. I've heard the shoulder is fully healthy now, which is, you know, people keep asking me, they're like, aren't you worried about a shoulder? Aren't you worried about a shoulder? It's like, well, from everything I've heard, people that have watched him in the last couple of months, the shoulder's healthy. So I'm, I'm not worried about the shoulder. I've seen him throw on the run, you know, with plenty of velocity. I've had other people say to me, hey, do you worry about his arm strength? No. I, we get so caught up in arm strength and forget that these are young guys. See, arm, if you're going to bet on anything to improve with a young quarterback, it's arm strength because they're getting bigger. They're getting stronger. They come in as 18-year-old kids, essentially. And by the time they leave, it could be 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, bigger, stronger. Arm strength is something that can improve. So, I, listen, Rosen has a big season ahead of him because he missed a lot of time last year. But from a talent perspective, he's the guy I'm taking that I think could end up going number one. I'll say this about quarterbacks. You, you mentioned arm strength. And I'm looking right now at the la- the quarterbacks drafted first. Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff. Neither had huge arms at all. And you, you look at Blake Bortles, who was the third pick, has a huge arm and is awful. Jameis Winston might be the perfect mix of everything, but Marcus Mariota doesn't have a huge arm and he was drafted second overall. So I think arm strength is, is overrated. You have to have enough, but it doesn't like Josh Allen having the strongest arm doesn't make him the best quarterback. It will allow him to get away with some things and it will allow him to do some things that maybe Rosen and Darnold uh, couldn't from just a stretching the field perspective. But you just have to have enough when it comes to arm strength. So I'm with you on that one. I like Rosen. I think my biggest questions for him are, like you said, off the field. Um, you know, the kid wore a fuck Trump hat at Trump's golf course and put put it on Instagram. You think Woody Johnson, who is about to be named ambassador to the UK for President Trump, is going to draft this kid? There's no way. Uh, I mean, NFL owners are 
by and large, old white conservative men. And is gunning for that number and, one overall yeah, pick. Yeah. So th- I think Rosen, there have always been rumors that he's not coachable, that he's smarter than his coaches, um, that he's a little brash. I mean, didn't he have a hot tub in his dorm room? Like those are the kinds of things where I think some people are going to have a problem with him. I wouldn't be surprised, and I've actually heard this from one person, if he stays in college, if he doesn't jump into this 2018 draft class. We'll see how the year goes. I know there's some friction between him and his coach, Jim Mora, but Rosen is picture perfect on the field. And I, I remember watching his first game in college against Virginia where he goes out and throws three touchdowns, and he's you know perfect placement in the corner of the end zone on one of them that makes you think, oh, we might have our next Andrew Luck here. Um, but I think now, like you said, hurt so much last year. I think he only had like 200 and some attempts last year. So we got to see him take it to the next level. But it's definitely from a mechanic standpoint, he's what every coach in the NFL wants. I agree with you guys. Um, just watching the little film that I have, he's got about a year and a half on tape. He does it all. He has great feet. His mechanics are picture perfect. And arm strength, I'm – I don't even question it. That guy can make every throw. He can throw it deep, intermediate. He can get it out to the edge. The question for me is that off-field stuff. Is he going to buy into a coach? I mean, if he goes to a team like the Chiefs that have Andy Reid, he's going to buy into what Andy Reid has to say. But coaches like Andy Reid aren't going to be picking top five. Is he going to buy into one of these new, younger coaches and what they have to say? Is he going to listen to it? Or is he going to say, no, I can figure this out myself. I'm going to do it my way. Because NFL teams are not looking for that. I don't care how talented you are. They want to tell you something, and that's what you're going to go do on the field. So Rosen can do it on the field. It's going to be in the meetings and leading his team. Is he going to be an Aaron Rodgers-type leader? I mean, is his team going to support him when it gets tough? Very talented, but I want to see what he can do and what his coaches have to say about him. And now we get to uh, the the third quarterback in this class, and the one that – we were in New York, the three of us covering the draft, and uh, I stayed an extra day. Uh, Marshall is flying home and starts texting me from the airport about Sam Darnold, who is has caught your eye. I saw this morning Daniel Jeremiah wrote an article about him where he didn't go full on and say this is the next Andrew Luck, but he, he got real close to that edge of saying, hey, this might be – this might be the next Andrew Luck. So why is Sam Darnold your guy? And we'll hop into it after that. You know, I love Darnold and I always have. Is Just watching him last year, I watched a couple of his games. and I was like, all right, this kid's pretty good for a freshman. But then you watch him in that Rose Bowl game. And I remember texting you, Matt, that night and be like, Darnold's better than Rosen. I just, you can see it on tape. The guy's a competitor. He has a huge arm, a little bit of a funky delivery, but honestly, that doesn't scare me off. Um, he can make every throw. He's got some happy feet, but if you watch him and how he's developed, his mechanics improved drastically from his first start where he beat Washington until he tore up Penn State. I mean, he's got it all. You can see that he's going to be a worker. I haven't heard any character concerns about this kid. Uh, He was recruited as a linebacker at USC, which is another thing I love. He's tough. He's gritty. Uh, His one career tackle, he injured the linebacker from Penn State after throwing an interception. He could have stood back and said, oh, you know what, damn it, I threw the pick. But he didn't. He ran, he made the tackle, and he laid a stick on the guy. So other than just the quarterback part, the leadership, I think it's going to be there and it's going to develop if he performs the way that I think he will next year. I mean, he could fall apart and I could be totally wrong, but I think this guy's going to be special. You know, I'm looking at my notes, and the the thing about Darnold, I watched three games, Arizona Cal and Penn State, and he threw five touchdowns in every one of those games. And you mentioned the delivery, Mello. I think some people are going to see it and say, gosh, it's too long. It's you know, Phillip Rivers. No, you know, it's it's guys don't work with this kind of delivery. I've seen him tighten it up and speed it up when he needs to. So that makes me think that he's actually going to be okay long term. And right now I have him as QB2. I have him as a top five player. And if he can do for a season what he did in those nine games this year, 
he's going to be QB one for me because of the intangibles that you mentioned. But Connor, what have you seen so far, and what is your feeling on Sam Darnold so far? Yeah, so he's QB two for me as well, and I, it was interesting. I kind of changed my opinion a little bit after going back and watching because it was exciting to watch during the season, but you knew he's a little raw, this and that. And I kind of wrote down what's been really good. Another guy, intermediate passing game, is just natural to him. You know, on his throws from the ten to nineteen yard range, he was throwing sixty three point two percent, nine touchdowns, three picks. You know, he just that's what the bread and butter of the NFL. And he came out and showed as a young player that he can eat those yards up. And another thing is athleticism. He'll take off when he needs to and make plays. And these aren't just like, okay, first and 10, he'll pick up four or five yards, be third and six, and he'll roll out and beat you like that. And he like Melo said, he's like a linebacker mentality. He doesn't care. He'll run right at you. The things he needs to work on. Listen, the mechanics are one thing, but there's outliers. And I do agree with you guys about the release. I think it's going to be an outlier. I think he's going to be fine. He just has to be careful with the risk taking. When you have that kind of release, there's times where I saw safeties, they didn't come down with the pick, so you don't see it in the box score, but they can make it across the field because they could tell where he's going. And a young quarterback's going to look down, guys. He doesn't have the chemistry with the wide receivers yet coming in, so the timing was a little off, but he gave guys chances. And you saw Juju and Adore get a lot better on the touches they had when Darnold came in. And there's a lot to like there, and he seems like a guy that, number one, he's going to win the the off-field, the character stuff. He's going to win. He's the guy that's going to win that and be yeah, the top quarterback is. for anyone that looks at that. That's their, He's going to win that. So if he takes the next jump physically, it's hard not to say listen, that he can't be the number one quarterback. I think you're right. I think when we start to dig in on guys, we're going to hear that Rosen is hard to work with. Yep. The Allen is – people are going to use like uh, – what will they say? Oh, he's naive. Like he doesn't have like life skills because he's a small town kid at Wyoming. And with Darnold, they're gonna be oh, this is he's a leader. He's you know he's this is what you look for. He's perfect. So um, he'll get the real Wentz quick, treatment. Wentz treatment. He will. Yeah. Um, real quick, um, throw out some notes on some other guys. I think that Luke Falk has a chance to be a mid to late first rounder. Um, I, I like the accuracy. Obviously, this is off a first look. It's not off a deep dive. I thought Mason Rudolph was a mid rounder off last year's tape. And I actually like James Washington so much yes. more, the receiver, having watched Mason Rudolph. I don't know that Jake Browning will be more than a mid to late guy for me. And Baker Mayfield is probably the one that I I want to withhold a round evaluation on until I can see more. But I'm really intrigued by him. Obviously, off the field, he's a little crazy. Um, and he, he can be tackled by a cop on the run. We've seen that video. but <laughs> That's true. And bounced off a, a concrete wall. But I, I think next year's quarterback class, and this is great for people like Bleacher Report because there are so many big names. Everyone's going to be talking about these quarterbacks for the next nine, ten months. But there, there might be four guys with a quality, you know, top 32, top 40 type grade headed into the year. One thing that I notice about next year's draft is how many teams are going to need a quarterback. Looking at the top guys, the Jets probably might have that first-round pick. What are they going to do with Hackenberg? Is he their longtime guy? The 49ers definitely need a quarterback. A lot of people talk about Cousins going there, but even if Cousins goes to the Niners, Redskins still got to have a quarterback to replace them. The Blake Bortles project, that's got to be coming to an end. They're giving this guy (laughs) every possible thing he can have to succeed, and it's just not happening. Uh, The Bills have two first-round picks next year they're probably taking a quarterback with one. So that's four teams right there that need a quarterback almost for sure. Yeah, and, and then, that – sorry, go ahead. Well, then you look at teams like the Dolphins. They have Tannehill. What are they going to do with him? Uh, the Vikings, they have Sam Bradford. They could replace a guy. And then two older quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers, is it time to replace him or get the next guy up? And last year, Ben Roethlisberger toyed around with retirement. If he retires, the Steelers are screwed. They've got to go out and get a guy. Yeah, and I and when do the Eli Saints? Banning. When do the oh, Saints the start thinking yeah. quarterback? Like Drew the yeah. yeah, at some point, there's so many teams that are that are going to need quarterbacks, and I mean, there, there's a good list that we went through, and just to rip off a couple of guys that are just wild cards, Lamar Jackson. You know, we've got we've talked about him a lot, so we won't get too into it, but he's a guy that needs to take a couple more steps. Just to reiterate, reiterate our points from the podcast a couple weeks ago to show that he's an NFL quarterback. 
first year starter Brandon Wimbush has a chance to kind of be maybe that not as high as an impact as Trubisky, but a guy that maybe a one and done. You never know. I thought Brett Ripien from Boise State has a really big arm. Quentin Flowers, super undersized. Don't think he's going to play quarterback in the NFL, but you know he'll have a chance to show that he can because he's been an excellent college player. And he gets to play for Charlie Strong now, which is it yeah. is you know it, Teddy awesome. had a it's lot awesome. of success under him. So it's yeah, it's going to be a fun year next year. You know, we have Luke Falk, we have Mason Rudolph. Uh, there are so many quarterbacks that we're going to talk about next year that that is going to make things interesting and it's going to you know make for a lot of clicks, which is going to keep our bosses happy. Um, but let's take a quick break. We're going to be joined by Jason Kander, and then we'll be closing it out today with Scouts Quote and we're going to be popping some Lion and Kugel Summer Shandy for Draft on Draft, and I'm really excited to get to that part because it is hot in Missouri today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Stick to Football, and we have our uh, uh, our esteemed guest this week, uh, Jason Kander, who is a former Army intelligence captain, and being a Missouri guy, um, Jason, you came on my radar, I saw an ad uh, on TV where you are blindfolded assembling an AR-15, and it took you like 30 seconds to do, and it, it you know, where, where I'm from, you know, the Second Amendment is a, a a big part of the culture and, and how people are brought up here. But I, you kind of went viral with that ad. And so for, for everyone listening, who's not, you know, like you and I from the state of Missouri, kind of give people maybe a little bit of your background because, you know, you were, you know, an army captain, uh, you served as secretary of state here. You, you went to law school. You've done a lot of things in a pretty short amount of time, making the rest of us look bad. So maybe give people sure. an idea of, of who you are and what you've been doing. Sure. Um, yeah, so my story, uh, I come from the Kansas City area. Uh, my folks, I just I came from a really public service-oriented home. My, my folks were juvenile probation officers. My dad was a, a cop at night, and then they set a real example for my brothers and I. They, they took in some kids from our neighborhood, friends of ours whose families were struggling, and, and those guys became my brothers. We refer to them as my unofficial foster brothers because we don't really know what else to call them. They're just my brothers. And uh, and so that was just sort of, that set me on a path, right? They set an example of if you can help somebody, you should. And, uh, and then I went to I went to school uh, out uh, at American University in D.C. and uh, and then Georgetown for law school. Um, also, while I was in law school, married my high school sweetheart, Diana. Uh, and, uh, and then came home and, well, I... I guess I skipped over a part. I was, I was in DC when nine 11 happened. And up until that point had always thought about joining the military, but I don't know whether I ever definitely would have or not, but that day it just sort of changed the equation in my mind. So, um, I ended up enlisting in the army national guard, doing ROTC, getting my commission as an intelligence officer. And then, uh, after graduating law school, went off to, um, military intelligence school and, um, moved home to Kansas city. Uh, and then, Pretty quickly after that, went went to Afghanistan, volunteered for a deployment to Afghanistan, um, and did intelligence work over there. Um, and uh, that was really the first time in my life that I had ever been on the receiving end of decisions that were made by people in public office who, when those decisions negatively affected my life. You know, I mean, I'd grown up comfortably. Like, there was nobody in public office that was making a decision that was going to take food off our family's table. I was fortunate. And uh, But, you know, when you're in the back of a vehicle that doesn't have any armor, I get it gets across to you pretty quick that somebody made a political decision that is very much affecting your life at that moment. And uh, so I came home and, um, you know, wanted to be in a position to make those decisions in a way that wasn't just driven by politics. So I ran for the state house and won and ran for secretary of state in 2012 and won a statewide race and uh, ran for the Senate in uh, 2016. And we came real close. We, uh, president Trump won Missouri by 19. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a Democrat, so I'm, I'm the opposite party, uh, but I, I lost by less than three. Um, but, uh, but we're really proud of the race we ran, and, uh, and now I'm, I'm talking to you. That's my whole life story right there. That's a pretty good summary, Jason. But, uh, you know, one thing we also love to hear about now is you're the president of Let America Vote. For the listener out there that doesn't know a lot about a Let America Vote, you know, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing with them? Sure. So uh, I started Let America Vote after the election because when, when President Trump uh, went out and told what I argue is the, is the biggest lie that a sitting president has ever told, when he said that three to five million illegal voters voted in the election, which is just not true at all. 
Um, when he did that, a lot of people understandably just saw a really insecure person, you know, coming up with a lie that would cover for the fact that he lost the popular vote by 3 million votes. Um, and I think that that's also correct, but the rest of the story, in my opinion, uh, is, eh, I'm going to think in my opinion, I think this is pretty well established. The rest of the story, uh, is that it really is in service of that lie is in service of the, the, the lie that the Republican Party has been telling for about 15 years, which is that, you know, there's widespread fraud and therefore all these things need to be done to make it harder to vote. And that's not true at all. Statistically, you are more likely to be struck by lightning as an American than you are to commit voter impersonation fraud. Uh, <laughs> but what they're doing is, I mean, that's just a fact, you know, and so what they're doing is they, they figure if they can get out in the ether this belief that there's all this fraud in our elections, which is what Trump was trying to do. Uh, then it gets easier to pass laws that make it harder to vote. And it just happens to be the case. And actually, it's quite intentional on their part that those laws make it harder to vote for folks who mostly don't vote Republican. Um, and so this whole thing is about Trump's reelection strategy, make it harder to vote for people who won't vote for him and then he can win. And uh, I'm just not down with that. So um, that's why we started Let America Vote. And what Let America Vote does is it's the first political organization that exists to create political consequences, like work campaigns against people, for instance, for the folks who make it harder to vote. And uh, we've been around a little over three months, and 55,000 folks have signed up nationwide to volunteer. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and you're doing a great thing that um, – and I don't just say that as – I think I think everyone on Twitter knows where I, where I lie politically, and we don't want to – we're not going to dive super deep into that. But this has been – as long as I've been a voter, this has been an issue that's out there, and I, I think it's the same for Connor um, you know, up in New Jersey. It's, it's definitely the same here in Missouri. So the one thing that I thought was really cool, and I'm sure you get asked about this all the time, was I was listening to a podcast. It was actually – President Obama's, I think, last interview with the the Pod Save America guys, where he like name dropped you as you know the future of the party. You were on like a short list of people that you know he was kind of tabbing as the next wave of people. Uh, and then and then the guys who worked for President Obama say that that you reminded them of him. What is how much pressure does that put on you to have uh, someone like President Obama? say your name and say, Hey, I'm, I'm watching this guy as, as a, a future leader for the democratic party. Oh, I, you know, I don't think of it really as pressure. It's just, it's, it meant a lot to me. I mean, it's obviously a pretty big honor. Uh, and president Obama is somebody that I, I have a lot of admiration for. Um, like I, I, I definitely, you know, and, and this may be where there could be some of your listeners who really disagree with this, but I, but, uh, like I, I admire the guy a lot. And, um, you know, not just politically, obviously I admire him politically a lot too, but even my friends who never voted for him, you know, when I talk politics with them, I mean, they will, they will say like, look, I think he's clearly a good person who, who, whether they agree with him or not, they feel like he cares about people like them. And, and so, you know, I happen to agree with him on a whole lot of stuff, but I also just think he's a really good person and, and has, was a, a great president and a really good leader. And so, yeah, obviously, uh, uh, and and those guys, uh, you know, those guys are friends of mine. And, and even if they weren't, I would listen to that to that podcast too. And I was listening to it; it was kind of a surprise. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm rambling a little because it just meant a lot to me. <laughs> One thing Matt and I always discuss, you know, working in sports, especially the NFL, which is such a 24/7, 365 world, is finding the ability to decompress or spend time with families, friends, doing things away. From what you're, you know, you're doing so much, and as you talked about, you were in such a tight Senate race, and I was reading that it was actually the most expensive Senate race in state history. Obviously, so much work goes into that, but and now, obviously, you're still extremely busy. What do you do to just get away from everything? Whether it's going away and going off the grid with your family, whether it's watching sports, what is your escape? You know, it's both of those things, and it's it's you know, since the since January or so, I've actually had the opportunity to to exercise a lot more. Um, which has been good. I really, you know, I kind of laid it all out there last year. And, and for me, that's, that's been really important, but also, but more than that, it, it's, it's just being with my family. Um, you know, I'm in Kansas city right now. I got to take my son to school this morning um, and, uh, and, and being with my wife and, uh, and also sports. I mean, like I was saying to somebody this morning that uh, when I'm at Kaufman I'm a, I'm a football fan, but I'm probably, I'm a big, I'm a bigger baseball fan than I'm a football fan, but but so when I'm at Kauffman Stadium and I'm like sitting there watching the Royals play, uh, whether they're winning or losing, 
it is for me, I, I assume that the feeling I have doing that is probably the way other people feel when they're like on a beach. Um, it just is incredibly relaxing for me. And, uh, and I love going to Chiefs games too. I was, I was at the playoff game uh, against the Steelers, uh, which, you know, I wish we'd won, but it was great to be there. And, that, and that's really like sports are, are an incredible escape. One, because you can zero in on that for, you know, three, four hours, however long the game is. But the other reason is uh, just the stories around sports. Like, you know, whether your team is winning or losing, there's so many great stories around sports, and they're not stories that everybody has to disagree about, right? Like, like when it comes to politics, you know, if somebody has success, it may be a great personal story, but there may be, you know, 40% of people who feel like, well, they didn't want that person to have success. Like, in sports, yeah, maybe it happened against your team, but uh, but there's so many great stories that you can you can really enjoy. Like, I mean, Bumgarner, man, like, what Bumgarner did to the Royals in 14, I was so upset about uh, in that game seven. But, God, that guy is ridiculously talented, and I love watching him play, and he's a great story. So um, he's got more home runs than Alex Gordon this year, unfortunately. <laughs> Probably more hits than Alex Gordon, too. It's been rough. <laughs> that You know what you said there? Yeah. It makes so much sense. And, and I grew up a baseball fan. I grew up going to Kaufman every year for my birthday. You know, it was like I have three brothers. So, you know, my mom and pop would have to save money to take us to a Royals game once a year. And I kind of got away from it. And then as this job, the pressure of this job grew, I really got back into baseball. And it, it became that, like, it, it's just where you go to get away from Twitter and, you know, the, the pressure of the job. But you mentioned you're in Kansas City this morning. And I, I would be, I would regret it if we didn't talk about this, because there's a little bit of a, a debate out there about which Kansas City barbecue is the best, and we're, we yeah, can't let you go without finding out. Like, what's a, your, what's your top five Kansas City barbecue? <laughs> oh, it's your top five. I don't know. Okay, well, you got to do it by like a dish. Like that's how I would do it. Like if I were gonna. Okay. So um, I love the sausage gate, and um, and so when I go to Gates. Uh, I get burn-ins, so I would do, like, that'd be my number one Kansas City barbecue thing. It's burn-ins uh, at Gates. And then after that, uh, probably beef at, uh, at Arthur Bryant's, you know, would be number two. Number three, Joe's Casey, you know, probably as new man sandwich or like any sandwich there. And, and the flies, too, are good. And then, you know, there's a new place that I really like. Uh, it's relatively new. Um, which is uh, Q39. Oh, it's so um, good. And they've, it's amazing. Yeah, I, it's it's real good. Like, so sausage there, I think, will be really good. And then, uh, let's see, like, number five for me is probably, oh, okay, number five. Here's one that people probably don't know. There's a place at uh, at 80, about 87th and Holmes uh, in Kansas City. It's called BB's Lawnside Barbecue. And it's like, it's, this guy Lindsey Shannon owns it, and it's um, they have good music there too. But it's uh, BB's has this thing; it's called a barbecue Sunday, and it's literally um, it's just a bunch of stuff in a mason jar. So it's like I think it's coleslaw, uh, and then I think and there's beef, and then a bunch of sauce and beans, and they just put it all in a mason jar, and then you can either eat it with a spoon or fork, or you can I, I dump it out and eat it all together. It's called a barbecue Sunday, and it's and every time I. I always tell myself I'm not going to eat the whole thing, uh, and then I do, and and sometimes I get it's a little too much. But uh, yeah, that's probably my top five. Jason, one you know, one thing me and Matt are really directly involved with, and obviously I'm sure you, you know more than enough about, is just what's going on in education right now. And Matt's brother's a teacher. I have plenty of really close friends that are teachers, and you know that's one thing that we started our first charity on here to help teachers fund their classrooms. And just, you know, we wanted to get your thoughts on, because there's so much talk about education in this country right now and the direction it's going in. What's one thing you would like to see improve over the next three years, four years, you know, specifically in education or something you feel that has to be solved right away? Sure. Well, look, one thing that I think we for sure cannot do is go in the direction the Trump administration wants to go in with this budget. I mean, massive education cuts. I don't know where they get the idea that you're going to improve education by cutting the funding substantially. I mean, I mean, good Lord, like there's been some articles in the Kansas City Star recently about some school districts where they're having to, you know, in order to avoid running deficits on on paying for lunch, they're having to feed kids differently depending on whether or not they're able to pay for lunch. And, and it obviously is 
a problem for kids at school, right? Because, you know, you get sent into a different line. A lot of your classmates know, like, well, he's not a, he doesn't have, his parents don't have money to pay for lunch or her parents don't have money to pay for lunch. And just the idea of, like, thinking about, you know, with, with all the other pressures of being a kid in school, like, you know, one, being essentially hungry, uh, or two, you know, having your friends put you in that category. I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't create for a good learning environment. So I'm not trying to criticize necessarily the schools because, you know, I think, although I think that's wrong, but there are budget constraints and, and I'm not a school administrator. Um, but I do think that it should be like a five alarm emergency for state officials and federal officials to make sure that that never, ever happens. And, and so when that happens to then see the, the Trump administration trying to cut education funding while the president of the United States every weekend you know, goes and flies to one of his businesses somewhere to play golf or whatever. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So the amount of money that they have spent doing that could fund, it could help in a lot of schools, uh, let alone not need to cut them. So not to mention, and, you know, I can go off on a rant about this, I guess, but they're trying to do enormous tax cuts for the richest Americans. And so in a way, what they're doing is they're asking kids in school to skip meals so that millionaires and billionaires can get tax cuts. And that doesn't make any sense at all. No, and I've, I've gone to a, a public school. Um, I went with my girlfriend's daughter to eat lunch. The kids have like 18 minutes to eat lunch now too. And that's like you get your tray, you sit down, and, right. and you're right. And you know there were times growing up when I was the kid with the free lunch. And I can't imagine – now you know where you basically have two lines you got the kids who are you know on you know, getting some kind of help and then the kids who aren't and it seems like we have enough division as is without you know, yeah right why create kids. more yeah it's ridiculous so the last question for you is um we we told people on twitter we were going to be interviewing you and the the most popular question we got for you was what's next i mean you're you're heading up um let america vote uh, you're heading up a committee now uh looking into you know voter uh people trying to keep people from voting. So as 2018 approaches, as 2020 approaches, what's kind of on your radar that you can tell us about? You know, honestly, uh, it's always flattering when people are, are asking about your political future, but I'm, I'm really just trying to make sure that we still hold elections. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> and if I'm, uh, as long as I'm successful in that, then, then maybe one day I'll be in one. But, uh, but I just feel like right now what I'm doing is really important. And, and look, I, I really across the board have real strong disagreements with president Trump and with the Republicans and, and, and they're in charge right now. And I don't like what president Trump's doing. And so I think that for anybody who's in that position, like I am, I just think you got to grab an oar and do everything you can to help out. So that's what I'm trying to do. And, and that's where my focus is. That's yeah, that's awesome. And I, your, your pinned tweet on Twitter is, you know, kind of what people who are unhappy with the, you know, landscape of the country can do right now. Um, if they're not, you know, uh, a former army intelligence captain or a former secretary of state or, or senator. Um, it's how, you know, just everyone can get involved. So we know how busy you are. Uh, we know how important your time is. So thank you for carving out, you know, 20 minutes for us this morning. And uh, I'm sure we'll both be following to see what you do next. I appreciate it. But, you know, before we go, I mean, isn't the name of the podcast is stick to football, right? That's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Correct. I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, we should tell you something about it. So like, how do y'all feel about the chiefs draft? Like, that's what I'm curious about. Like I personally, I'm excited about the idea that no matter what you think of the pick, like the, you know, for the first time that I can remember the chiefs are like, you know what, we're going all in on an early pick for a QB. So I'm curious what y'all think about it. It's always good when our guests turn it around on us. Uh, I love that. <laughs> we both liked the chiefs draft. Um, I liked the kind of the bravado of trading up. Cause like you said, uh, Chiefs hadn't drafted a quarterback in the first round since the year I was born. Um, so it, it's been a long time. And so to go get someone who has, you know, a big arm, great athlete, very intelligent, uh, excellent bloodlines, you know, comes from a good family. He has all the things that you want. It's just a matter of, you know, can he, can Andy Reid and the staff kind of teach him how to be an NFL quarterback? But I liked kind of putting all their eggs in the, in the Mahomes basket because he is such a good kid and, you look at that staff. They've done a great job at developing quarterbacks, whether it's 
Brett Favre or Donovan McNabb or, you know, even the work that, that Reed did with people like Michael Vick and Alex Smith. I mean, he's he's got a pretty good track record with quarterbacks. So it's it's exciting. And and I didn't grow up a Chiefs fan. I grew up a Niners fan. But I'm excited just being in this area to watch and see how excited everyone is now about the future. Yeah, I mean, it was the best landing spot for Pat Mahomes, no doubt. When you look at he, listen, he had the most raw talent in this class out of the quarterback position, and he needed to go somewhere where he can just you know refine his game and maybe sit for the year. And he went to a place where he can do that, where they're going to be patient with him, where Alex Smith is the entrenched starter. There's no doubts about that. So, and you look at Andy Reid's track record, you know, like Matt said, with quarterbacks with that level of talent. I just think it was the perfect landing spot. It's a match made in heaven scenario, so hopefully it works out for them after such a big investment. See, now I'm excited too, because like my argument has been—I mean, now here and y'all, I'm excited too. My argument has been like for all the all the people who obviously have there. There are a lot of people who have some problems with Alex Smith, right? like throwing downfield, all that stuff. People like to to criticize that. But one thing nobody ever says is like he's a poor team leader or he's a poor clubhouse presence. So if, if nothing else, like you take a guy with a ton of talent and you give him a year to learn from somebody who folks think is is a great clubhouse guy and a great team leader, like that could be really great. And also I'm like an eternal optimist because that's what you have to be if you're a lifelong Kansas City sports. That's right. Uh, so anyway. All right. Well, well thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Jason, Jason. thank you so much. And we are back. The conclusion of episode eight of Stick to Football. Jason Kander was awesome. So good having him on. We'll definitely have him back on at some point, if, especially if the Chiefs start playing pretty well. I mean, he seemed pretty excited about the Mahomes pick. So, not you know, <laughs> so he was an awesome guest. But obviously, we have to finish the show by popping some tops and do draft on draft. We got plenty of good questions this week. I know Matt and Mello are ready for this. Oh yeah, so ready for this. There we go. That's what I was looking for. All right, sweet. I won't even waste any time. I'll get right into it. This one from Kent Swanson at Kent underscore Swanson. What was the craziest 2017 draft rumor you heard that didn't happen? Oh, man, that's a good question. Can you think of one, Mello? I can't think of one off the top of my head. I guess Trubisky, number one of the Browns. And so, yeah, I'll say that was probably the craziest one. Craziest because I was in Jersey asleep at like three in the morning. I got a phone call from a team uh, and a guy was like, hey, we're hearing Trubisky's going one. What are you hearing? I'm like, what is three in the morning? And so we talk and I checked Twitter after week. (laughs) Right. I checked Twitter and Adam Schefter had tweeted like an eye, like the big eye emoji, like three minutes before. And I was like, oh, God, I bet we both got the same call. Not (laughs) we've had Schefter on this on the podcast, front of the podcast, Adam Schefter. I'm not him, but you, you know, you get those phone calls because people expect you to be plugged in, especially with, um, you know, with the quarterback market, that's probably the craziest one this year that I heard that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, so much of it, the rumors we hear are more dot connecting, you know, it's like, if this happens, you know, then this will happen kind of thing. So it's not so much, you know, Hey, the Browns are going to take Mitch Trubisky. That's a crazy rumor, but the things you hear outside of that are more the Titans, really like wide receivers and if if there's a, a top receivers on the board of five they could go there those are more the kind of things that you actually hear yeah one post-draft rumor you know this is a rumor that was going on during the draft was that um you know that doug whaley wasn't making the picks basically in buffalo i mean that was like yeah. the story and I, it's kind of crazy like i've heard since that that's like they were saying sean mcdermott's running the draft and I've heard actually that's not true, which makes it crazy because they fired him right after. But I heard Willie had complete control over that draft. So maybe he didn't know he was getting let go and he, you know, passed on taking a quarterback, which can give you more life. The whole thing is really strange, but there's been so many rumors about that. That was something I thought was really interesting is to have a guy still make all the picks and then you fire him. So <laughs> it's whatever. Or the, the whole John Fox didn't know about Mitch Trubisky thing. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, I mean, like, come on. You got to know, you know, especially if you were at the meeting with the guy right before you picked him or a couple days before you picked him. So I I don't put a whole lot of stock in that one anymore. Uh, Okay, this one from Joe Valenti at Joe Valenti. Nice, simple at. Good job, Joe. How do you think Arden Key will stack up draft grade wise against guys like Miles Garrett, Von Miller, etc.? I don't think he will be a like a potential number one overall pick, and it's not his fault. It's that there's so many good quarterbacks that I don't think he'll have a ch- – and teams picking one through three will probably need a quarterback, or the, if they don't, they'll trade out of it because teams will want to come up. I think he's grade, 
will be potentially very close to those two guys. I don't think he'll be as high, but I think he will be a lock to go in the top 10 because he's such a talented edge rusher and such a valuable position. I'm going to say no freaking way he's close to Von Miller. Von Miller is the highest grade I've ever given a defensive player. That's right. Miles Garrett right there as well. Arden Key just came back to the team. Like he left yeah, that's, the team. That's the big flag. Yes, and, and he's had shoulder surgery. I know he's up to 255, which is great. And listen, the kid had 12 sacks in 11 games last year. He's a hell of a player, but there's too many question marks. And he's my top edge rusher. I wrote about him for Scouting Notebook this week. He's not again anywhere close to those two big boys that uh, that he mentioned. As I mean, those are the two best pass rushers I've ever seen. Not much uh, play in the run game. From Arden Key, I haven't watched a whole lot of film on him, but yeah. I mean he's a pass rush specific guy. I think he's probably in that next tier of guy, uh, not up there with Clowney or Von Miller or any of those guys, but probably going to be a high draft pick. A lot of good offensive tackles in this draft too that are going to go high. Okay, yeah, I mean that's they're going to fall into the top ten. Obviously, uh, Connor Williams from Texas Miller's been talking him up for for a long time, and there's plenty of other talent. So. It'll be interesting to see him hopefully face some of those guys this year, too. This next one from Richard Bradshaw at RichieBrads36. Who's more explosive, Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk? Please and thank you both. Uh, So my answer to this question will be simple. I think Kirk is more explosive. I think Calvin Ridley is the better player. Yeah, I think it is simple. I think Christian Kirk is much more explosive. I think Calvin Ridley is probably the better overall player in terms of route running. He's also, you know, like 24 years old. He's kind of a grown man, whereas Christian Kirk is 20 years old. So you would expect him to be a little farther along. Um, but I like both players. I think Kirk is a little more dynamic in terms of, you know, just get the ball in his hands and let him make things happen. Whereas Ridley's uh, probably a little bit, you know, you, we see him so much on like bubble screens and, and, you know, things like that in that Alabama offense. I'm excited to see what he'll do this year in a new offense down there. Yeah, especially if Tua starts. I mean, I know, you know, not to kill Hurts or anything, but the bottom line is those receivers' numbers seem severely held back last year. When you look at just from a pure passing standpoint for guys like Ridley or Darius Stewart. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Maybe quarterback competition in Alabama. We'll see. Uh, All right, keeping it moving here. Oof, this one, actually, I really like this creativity of this one. Nick Gavin, at Nick Gavin 3, if you had to draft a football team using only players from other major sports, what would your team look like? Just so we don't spend 45 hours on this question, uh, <laughs> let's each pick a quarterback and a running back. Man. Oh, wow. uh, and maybe a wide receiver. Tough. Well, here's the easy answer. Jeff Samarja would be my wide receiver. I mean, he's a $100 million baseball pitcher now, but he was an awesome wide receiver for Notre Dame. So that's kind of a layup right there. I would put uh, – he's too tall, but I need LeBron on the field somewhere. I don't care I where. LeBron's my wide receiver, but we're not picking yeah. receivers. Yeah. Good quarterback. Oh, Kevin Mike Trout. Mike quarterback. Tr- I think Mike, Mike Trout might be my <laughs> running back. Have you ever seen the way he's built? He just looks like he's built like a running back. Uh, see, I would think like a good NBA point guard would be a good quarterback just because they're distributors. But <clears throat> gosh, it's so hard to Allen Iverson, you know, going back in the day, somebody who was a two sport guy, uh, Joe Maurer, you know, who was a catcher and was a great quarterback. Um, yeah, it's it's harder because football is such a different sport because you got to have the strength and the toughness. But yeah, and who the hell knows um, if they could throw? <laughs> That's the hardest part. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is a tougher. But LeBron is my receiver for sure. Yeah, just throw him up. He'd be the rest, best red zone threat ever. Be awesome. J.R. Smith was a really good football player, too. I feel like a lot of people don't know that coming out of New Jersey. But, uh, okay, let's keep it moving. This one from Josh Richter at Josh72. Richter, within the past couple of years, which team has drafted, drafted the best defensively? Man, I, I, I can tell you the Chiefs the have done a hell of a job. I mean, yeah. The Chiefs across the board have done a hell of a job. Filling out the secondary, getting bigger up front. They have some talent. They have ton, plenty of pass rushing help. I think the Falcons under Dan Quinn have really flipped that defense. I thought, obviously, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal are kind of dynamite. Vic Beasley broke out last year. So there's a couple teams that have really young ascending talent just from the last two drafts. 
Yeah, there are. And it's weird. Like, I would still say, like, Dallas. Um, you know, just being able to get someone like if we ever see Jalen Smith, uh, Malik Collins, Taco Charlton. Like, they've really built a pretty solid defense over the last two drafts. Jacksonville, I know we haven't seen it yet, but Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. And you know, now you add in guys like uh, Smoot. You add in Blair Brown. Like, that's a really yeah. good team uh, that's been drafted on defense. It's just we haven't seen the fruits of that yet. And Shit, we might be talking about the Browns soon as one soon, of those teams maybe. because of what they've done in the draft. I mean, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, Nassib, Miles Garrett, Caleb Brantley. Um, that, that's a very good defense that has potentially been drafted. Joe Schobert, I, I think, could be a player in the league. And then you, you know, you have obviously Jabril Peppers. We'll see what he can become. But that is a team that's drafted really well on defense over the last two years. Yeah, and one more player from the Cowboys, too, is their sixth-round pick last year, Anthony Brown, ended up being a starting corner and a damn good oh, that's one. That's right. So, like, you look at, you know, yeah. listen, that they are starting to draft really well. And, man, if they get Jalen back, they could be so good if he's back to full strength. So, be super And we, need, we actually need to have him on the podcast because he's always been, he's been really cool and really helpful. So, the, I'm going to put that on my our podcast wish list, which we actually have. You guys probably don't know that. We have a list of – guests we'd like to have on so if you ever have any suggestions i'm going to plug it one more time you can tweet us at stick to football you know, with people you'd like to have on yeah no doubt and just to wrap up the show you know please continue to leave your reviews please leave your top quarterback we talk, we spent enough time today talking about all the quarterbacks i know everyone has a different opinion leave a review with your top quarterback please subscribe to the podcast you know we have scott we have so much here to talk about but you know, go the GoFundMe for Kaya has done so well. I know a lot of you guys have been helping with that. Thank you so much. It's been exciting. I know Brett Favre got into the mix recently to help out. Yeah, we're almost to $12,500 for them. So it's huge. Um, it would be awesome. if Listen, if somebody wants to help get them over that, you want to donate, you know, 42 bucks. Leave it in the the comments, you know, heard it on Stick to Football, and we'll, we'll shout you out on the podcast next week that we would – we're all about trying to help people, which Kaya has been something that we really rallied around. The, the Stick to Football Teachers Fund, we're really trying to get that going through June and July. And we actually might have some good news soon on where you can buy like T-shirts and things that will yes. – all that money is going to go to teachers. So um, good things are coming. And, you know, like you heard us talking about earlier with Jason, like we want to give back. You know, our, our co-host the last few weeks is a teacher and a coach. So it, it's something that's very important to us, and, and we appreciate you guys – being a part of it all right awesome we'll be back next week for episode nine i can't believe we're already at episode nine guest is tbd right now so we'll be in the works maybe we'll reach I'll out be to calling in from uh the beach so listen um, the stick to football podcast doesn't stop i'm in la right now and got a little baby mic in front of me and uh, so and we're gonna be previewing the running backs next week which is another god there's so much to talk about with that group it's gonna be awesome yeah, and we want to hear from you guys. Like you said, leave your review the podcast for us and, and leave your top quarterback in the comment because we do check that stuff because we're crazy. And remember, if you, if you start to miss us, you can always tweet us at Stick to Football. So we'll talk to you guys in a week. I'll be on the beach in Panama City. Connor will be somewhere, probably the New York office, maybe. We'll see. But thanks for hanging out with us again. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>